The Truth News Network. The government seats a blue ribbon panel consisting of activists, the very people singing out for change in direct conflict with the law. The biggest casualty at that conference table is the truth. Fortunately, there's a voice in the darkness. Clear, true, concise, and without hesitation. TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Good morning, everybody. It's the day before Good Friday. A lot of people forget about that. That's Friday, the big day for Christians when Jesus Christ was crucified for all our sins. This is a great weekend. We'll be telling you more about that during the show today. But as we go to the beginning of the show, got some things we need to tell you about. We're going to take just a break in just a moment to listen to something maybe relaxing to kind of settle us down. But there's many, many bad things happening this morning in the United States and around the world. Happening this morning as we speak. And that's not a call to fear. That's a call for information. And so I'm telling you, please hang in there. Stick in there with us today. If there's any way possible, don't move away from the show content, what you're listening to, what you're hearing. And if there's no way around that, please know you can always go to various sources and pick up any show after any live show. They all become podcasts. You can get them at your favorite podcast hosting site, places like Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, even Facebook, and now Amazon carries TNN Live. All you need to do is just put that in the search bar, TNN Live. So what are we going to dig into? There are so many things. <laughs> I won't even give you an index of what's ahead this morning. And so I told you I promised you some relaxing music to get you in the mood for the day. Relaxing music. How about... Um, Steppenwolf Born to be wild Just relax folks It's gonna be okay Get your motor running Head out on the highway Looking for adventure And whatever comes our way Yeah
It's nothing compared to what we've had in music since then. Contemporary, top 40, rock, whatever you want to call the genre of the day for the current songs. Anyway, that, what you just heard, is a four-piece band. Seriously, there's only four people playing those instruments and one guy singing. Anyway, I promised you that we had some um, really important not so positive things to talk to you about. Top of the show today, early this morning, seven rockets were filed into Israel, fired into Israel, as Israel's Jewish population began celebrating Passover, Good Friday. The Israeli military says all seven rockets exploded in midair, which is a good thing. Tensions remain high, of course, as the Muslim holy month of Ramadan continues, while Passover began on Wednesday, two days ago. Israeli forces have tracked rocket barrages from Gaza. Three weeks ago, folks, I was in Gaza. I was physically there, and everybody that was with us in the group, that we all went to Israel together. When our guide was on the bus and we were riding through on our way to, to, I believe it was, we were going to the Dead Sea. And he said, folks, you just entered Gaza. We all started looking around. It's not funny. But what is interesting was how the Jewish people, how the people over there, the everyday population, how they live their lives, and they don't fear. I guess maybe because it's been happening for so many years. They've just become accustomed to it. It's like, oh, there goes some rockets. Well, what are we going to have for dinner? That may be a little bit extreme in explanation, but they're not always looking around at the sky wanting to make sure that gold dome is working over them. The gold dome or the iron dome, whatever they call that, where the Israeli rockets will track anything that enters airspace over Israel and automatically shoot and bring those invading rockets down. Very successfully, by the way. Well, I hope things calm down a bit. I really don't expect that they will. This kind of stuff has been happening for generations. Listen to this. Another place I was three weeks ago, groups of Palestinians have barricaded themselves inside one of the holiest sites in Jerusalem ahead of Passover. It's the Temple Mount, the mosque, right in the middle of the Temple Mount. When you see the temple, which is where 
supposedly the original temple for Israel was built. It's a site right in the middle of Jerusalem, sits up on a hill. There's a big gold dome uh, building right in the middle of it. And everybody thinks if you don't know history, that's the Jewish temple. It's not. When Muslims took Jerusalem, they purposely built that mosque right in the middle of the most holy place in Israel, the Temple Mount. And so these Palestinian groups, they've called for attacks against Jewish people who are worshiping outside that mosque because that whole area is holy ground. Christians and Jewish people believe that is where the original temple is going to be reconstructed later on. And of course, the detractors, Muslims and Christians just don't jibe. And I think you understand that. They try to step in front of each other and get the upper hand. But you just never know what is going to happen and what kind of chaos and horror may result from it. So you've got rockets being fired into the Gaza Strip. You have Palestinians barricading themselves inside the Mosque of Omar, right in the middle of the Jewish's holiest place for the Jewish people. That's happening as we speak. Just minutes ago, the Biden administration got some numbers for unemployment. Claims for unemployment benefits hit 228,000 in the week that ended on April 1st. And the previous week's claims were, by the way, revised up sharply, dramatically, which is a sign that the Federal Reserve's monetary tightening by raising those core interest rates may be beginning to soften demand in the U.S. for workers. Last week's claims would have been the highest of the year, except that the prior week's claims were revised up from 198,000 to a quarter of a million. That makes the April 1st claims week the second highest this year. This is much more than expected. Economists, they thought those claims would rise to about 201,000 from their preliminary estimate for the prior week. Claims have been below 200,000 for most of this year. Continuing claims which get reported with a one-week delay rose by about six, excuse me, by about 6,000 to just under 2 million, a low number by historical standards. This is an indication that many workers are either quickly finding new jobs after being laid off, or they're just not filing unemployment claims. And of course, these numbers can be volatile week to week, and the experts always tell us, oh, we release these numbers all the time, but don't get excited about them. (laughs) Well, why do you tell us Why don't you just wait and give them to us maybe once every three months so we don't go into a panic? Of course, when stuff like this comes out, everybody begins to look at the stock market. Oh, my gosh. That's the monitor of how the nation, the experts in the nation, how they feel about what's going on. And when we get these unemployment claims numbers and all of the percentages up or percentages down on our economy. It's supposed to just track a trend so that we all can make good decisions. (laughs) That's what 
we all need to be doing. There's no doubt about that. And when you get bad information, what are you going to do? You're going to make bad decisions. And for the major decisions of our lives, if you've not learned this, let me give you a little inside hint. Don't make any decisions, the important ones in your life, based on fear. Fear is a bad place from which to reach out and make choices because you're making them principally based upon your fears. Many times, in fact, probably most times, things that scare us if we really dig into them and we dig in truthfully to find out what's going on, we find out it's not as bad as we thought it was. And so when we make horrible choices, knowing that we, if we waited maybe a little while longer before going to the mat, making a bad choice, if we just waited out a little bit, we'd find out it wasn't so bad. We bring a lot of our problems in the world, we bring them on ourselves, and I know you know that. We all do that. And we know we do that, so why the heck do we still do it? And I'm not perfect. I know that surprises many of you. I'm joking, I'm joking. But I've made a lot of choices, a lot of decisions in my life based on fear, and they never work out long-term. I slap myself in the forehead and I go, what were you thinking? Well, I wasn't thinking. I was reacting based upon an emotion called fear, which, by the way, you don't have to be fearful in any situation. Fear is something we choose ourselves. We make a choice to let it do what it's going to do in our lives, and we don't have to, and that's a sad thing about life. In fact, to be quite honest with you, a lot of the bad things that we live through are simply products of our poor choices. Yeah, don't go there. Don't start bringing your wife into the conversation or your husband into that conversation. You don't win, no matter how that comes out of your mouth. Don't ever joke about that. 47, 48 years, Marianne and I have been married. And uh, I tell lots of people now, when I introduce her, I introduce her as my first wife. And I can't tell you, if I've been slapped once, I've been slapped 10 times when she hears me say that, although it's factual. She is my first wife and will be my only wife, knock on wood. <laughs> so we have to bring a little superstition into it. So there's a lot of more news coming out this morning, the fallout after the Donald Trump um, indictment up in New York City, Alvin Bragg, the prosecutor up there, and the charges that have been brought. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, uh, we're, we're watching the numbers of people logging in live around the world. A lot of people, a lot of people are looking for answers to a lot of things. And by the way, tomorrow's Good Friday. We will not have a show. It's Passover day. Again, we celebrate Good Friday, the crucifixion of Jesus. Thankfully, Easter comes. I think maybe we can make that process part of our decision-making. Think about it. Pretty bad day for Jesus on that Friday, wouldn't you say? I mean, he went through all kinds of agony that day. Crucifixion, especially the way his crucifixion was carried out, 
It's got to be one of, if not the worst way to die. Pretty bad day. We have bad days. I don't think ours ever rise to that level. But in some cases, they get pretty dire. There are people around all of us that have really bad medical issues right now, and the outcome projections for them are bleak. I get that. I think there's a song that was written. If not a song, I know a sermon I heard years ago. When you're tempted to get caught up in all the horrors on Friday, stop for a moment and realize this. Sunday morning's coming. Thank God Sunday morning came way back then in Israel. Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. As bad as it gets, folks, just remember, Sunday's coming. Bad stuff's not always going to be there. I want to I want to just kind of segue into a few pieces, leftover pieces coming out of the Trump. I want to call it irony. Is it ironic? It, it shouldn't be. We should expect this and worse things to happen every day to Donald Trump regarding his political career. More than half the nation pretty much is out to get him and destroy him. There are a lot of Republicans. They think they're wiping their hands. We want him gone. He's too contentious. He brings too much bad stuff down on us. i got to be honest with you. As hard as the details that are playing out right now are, as bad as they are, I look at the four years of his presidency, and there were tons of really bad things going on around him, but none of it had to do with the real fundamentally important things in my life. And I'm sure in most of your lives, Think about it. Your paychecks got bigger. You got a tax a tax break, a massive tax break, and you got it because of Donald Trump. Unemployment went through the floor. New jobs were being created at, at epic rates. And of course, the whole while when all of these things and many, many more good things were happening, Democrats were standing on the other side of the fence throwing rocks at Donald Trump and everything good that happened. They wanted you and I to forget about it. Meanwhile, we had more money. Expenses across the board went down. The big expenses in our lives went down. Interest rates were through the floor, down. Our dollar bought more. People's attitudes about life just zoomed through the roof. And for the first time in my lifetime, at least my lifetime that I remember, we had a person residing at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, that was doing everything that we were told would be done if we elected this guy as president. And the only things Trump was unable to do that he promised us while campaigning were those things that he had to get the other brothers and sisters in Congress I'm talking about to come along with the ideas. When they said no and wouldn't support him, He didn't do what Joe Biden does. Yeah, he did do a bunch of executive orders. But Trump's executive orders, almost in total, what they did was they codified legislation. In other words, things that Congress had already reached out and done, they clarified them, made sure that everybody understood what was going on. He didn't create legislatively through executive orders which is what Joe Biden does. 
Joe Biden spends billions of taxpayer dollars with no authority to do it. And here's the mantra of the reasoning, the thinking of most Democrats in Congress. It's easier to ask for forgiveness later than to wait for permission now. And we know if they want to come after us and take us to court or whatever, by the time we get to a ultimate court conclusion, we'll have all our stuff done in this executive action that we're taking here. So we're just going to roll the dice. That's the governing philosophy of this administration. And we sit by sadly every day watching that philosophy play out in each of our lives. And who pays the price for any bad choices coming out of Washington? We do. We, the people, the ones that every piece of legislative le- legislation, every executive order, every policy creation is supposed to be for us, about us, and with our input of the people, by the people, and for the people. I venture a guess that in the Biden administration, in the annals of what things Biden specifically has done himself, initiated specifically himself, less than 20% of those things were done based upon government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And I may be I may be low on that percentage. I may be high on it. Very little of what we have seen coming out of the White House has been the people's business. In many cases, it's attacked the people. And it continues. We're going to dig into much of that. Jesse Waters last night. He weighed in, as only Jesse can, Water's World. I uh, I don't watch Fox every night. Some nights, obviously, I, I'm not available. I'm not in front of a television or I'm not listening in. But what I try to do is go back late, late night. When I mean late, late night, I'm talking about 2 or 3 in the morning. Several of the programs, the nighttime programs, evening programs, they repeat overnight. Happened to me last night. Anyway, what I'm about to let you hear came from Jesse Waters' show last night about our president and how he is playing dirty. Now, when you listen to Jesse and what he's talking about, here's what I want you to think of. How many times have I told you here, when a politician is screaming and hollering at you about one specific thing, waving their arms in your face, Oh, but look how horrible this is. Look at what those evil Republicans are doing. And they're shaking their hand and waving. Don't listen to what they're saying. Don't watch that hand that's waving. Look at what's going on in the other hand, the one behind their back. In that context, here's Jesse from last night. Money doesn't always buy happiness, but it buys presents. And when you finally save up to buy yourself that watch you always wanted, your first instinct is to put it somewhere safe. And you can never be too safe. Joe Biden's safe place has always been wherever the Corvette is. Remember, Joe thought his Corvette was so safe that he stashed classified documents next to it. 
But Joe, being a car guy, didn't like a lot of clutter in the garage. So he looked for the next safest place he could think of, Chinatown. The documents were moved from the vice presidency to at least three different locations in a personal vehicle. And why they were in three different locations, we don't know. They weren't stored behind any lock. One of the locations was in Chinatown. Another location was in the Penn Biden Center, which might as well have been Chinatown by looking at where their money was coming from. While everybody was talking about Trump getting arrested, we found out that Biden houses classified documents in Chinatown. Guess who Biden told to put his classified documents in Chinatown? Hunter's old assistant, Kathy Chung who now just flipped on the big guy. So unless Joe kept his Corvette in Chinatown, we really hope they were safe in Chinatown. I mean, there wouldn't be any spies in Chinatown, right? Don't worry, Nancy said it was safe. To say to everyone, we should come to Chinatown. Precautions have been taken by our city. Uh, We know that there's a concern about tourism traveling all throughout the world, uh, but we think it's very safe to be in Chinatown. Well, we looked at the map, and it looks like Biden put his classified documents next to a Chinese buffet. Uh, Excuse me, are you all out of General Tso's chicken? I'm only seeing General Milley's new codes on the menu. You know what? I'll just have the Peking docs. Biden's just been caught transporting our top secrets all over the place. Boxes of documents went from the White House to the UPenn Biden Center to Chinatown which we're now just finding out about, to Delaware, to Boston. Was Hunter driving him around with his fang fang, Jackie Bao, riding shot? Hey, Dad, it's Hunter. Uh, So China Moon Buffet's fridge is full. (laughs) But don't worry. Jackie found us some room at the super safe and totally not a scam storage unit LLC across the street. I mean, we thought the garage was bad. But Joe managed to outdo himself, didn't he? Isn't there a word for this? When you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago, what did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. How anyone could be that irresponsible. Irresponsible, huh? I'm pretty sure stuffing your classified documents in Chinatown is more irresponsible than locking them in a basement of Mar-a-Lago with armed guards at the door. But didn't the media tell us comparing Biden to Trump was apples to oranges? Joe Biden's team, his lawyers, did exactly what you do in this situation. This has no relation, no similarity to what Donald Trump did playing games out in Mar-a-Lago. We all know that Trump is a liar and a thief, you know? that he obstructed and he lied. We don't think that Biden is a liar and a thief, so we give him the benefit of the doubt. You're comparing apples to oranges. Well, I hate to break it to the ladies of the view, but Joe did do it much worse, and he knew what he was doing. Listen. We never would have found out about this uh, in March of 2023 if someone hadn't leaked it to the press that Biden was mishandling classified documents. So the White House thing came back and said, yeah, that happened in November, December of 2022. She just testified under oath that it happened in May of 2022. So there are more questions today than we've ever had. So Biden was moving boxes in May of last year, four months before he signed off on the Mar-a-Lago raid, which means 
Biden ordered the Trump raid knowing he had documents spread eagle all over Chinatown, plus his unlocked garage. Not only was he not cooperating by not turning him over, but he had his lawyers and his assistants running around town to bury them before the midterms. That's obstruction. That's intent. Now, if that's something that you do when there's no no there, listen. People know I take classified uh, documents and classified information seriously. The best of my knowledge, the kinds of things they picked up are things that from 1974 and stray papers. There's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. It feels like there's there there everywhere, Joey. You knew it. Your lawyers knew it. And that's why you tried to keep this whole thing under wraps and had Kathy Chung do the dirty work, who, by the way, wasn't working for Joe at the time. Kathy Chung works for the Pentagon. You ready? Why is someone named Kathy Chung, who works for the Defense Department, moving Joe Biden's classified documents to Chinatown? The same month the Chinese were wiring the Bidens a million dollars. Was this a deal? Was this an op? Biden wanted us to think it was a Trump obstruction situation and then tried to make it look consensual when the Fed showed up in Delaware. If Joe knew he stole top secret documents in May, how do we know he didn't shred it? How do we know he didn't dunk the docks in a Chinese deep fryer? I mean, the feds were too busy zeroing in on Trump at the time. You think they kept an eye on Biden's chimney? Sources tell primetime they saw smoke coming out of Biden's chimney in Delaware weeks before the feds arrived. Biden's playing dirty, real dirty. First, he raids Trump's house when he knew his house wasn't in order. And then he handpicks a goon to work for Bragg and suddenly Bragg finds a crime. So we just caught Biden ordering two illegal hits on his next opponent. Fingerprints all over it deflecting from his own scandals, from the documents in Chinatown to his family's million-dollar China wires. So is anybody going to catch Joe? Slightly hypocritical, you think? I'm just asking. Just curious. Waving his arms around on national television. Well, how could anybody be so unprofessional and do anything like that. I just can't fathom anybody doing it. The synopsis of what Jesse was bringing was when all of the Mar-a-Lago stuff was about to happen, it was planned at the White House because it had come to light to those behind the scenes. Uh-oh, we've got a classified document issue with Joe Biden. He's got classified documents all over the place. What are we going to do? Hey, A.G. Garland, what about storming Mar-a-Lago in the name of the National Archives? You know, they've been down there meeting with Trump folks. They've been down twice. They're trying to get back all the classified documents that Trump left the White House with. Why don't we use that to divert the people? They'll not look at what's behind our back, what we're doing back there. And then Joe will go on national television. We'll set up these shows where he can go on there and very, very dramatically diminish 
Donald Trump. We need to begin to trample on his head. He's like that snake that just won't die. The shovel won't take him out. Yeah, that may be a slight exaggeration, but the context is pretty right on, don't you think? You know, we have so many important things in the nation to deal with other than just plain politics. Listen to what just popped up right before we went on the air. The United States is playing with fire and engaged in a hot hybrid war with Russia, having already graduated from Cold War, a Russian government minister claimed, incredibly even going so far as to blame the U.S. for rising nuclear tensions around the world. The new Cold War is already over. That's according to one Kremlin spokesman, apparently looking past Russia's current role in invading Ukraine and accusing the U.S. of playing with fire by pushing the world towards nuclear disaster that this Kremlin guy insists Russians desperately want to avoid. Really looks like it to me. What about you? These comments came just a few hours after Russia announced it had deployed nuclear-capable missiles to the borders of NATO and Belarus and refitted Belarusian jets with the equipment to carry and drop nuclear bombs. Make you feel safe? Moscow made an accusation that the U.S. was to blame for all this, saying Russia was doing no more than America had already done in stationing nuclear weapons in the territory of European allies. Speaking yesterday, Russia's deputy foreign minister, Sergei Rybakov, made the hot war comments and said, this comes from a release on his discussion from a government-controlled news and propaganda service. Quote, I think we've already passed this period of Cold War. Now we're in the phase of a hot conflict with the United States. We're witnessing the direct involvement of that country in a hybrid war with Russia on various fronts. Now this blame game that we're hearing from the Ruskies, Ruskies or whatever their nicknames are, it's generally laid at Russia's door for invading Ukraine, you think? The minister insisted it was in fact the U.S. that was pushing the world towards nuclear war and that Russia was the peaceful party trying to avoid this happening. Oh, we don't want war. The minister postulated there can be no winners in a nuclear war and that it must not be unleashed. Why then did Vladimir Putin himself say, early in the Ukraine war, that he was putting every type of response on the table to be used against the West. If they, if they, countries from the West, join Ukraine in stopping our invasion, you know the one where we're slaughtering hundreds, if not thousands, of Ukrainian people. Well, they didn't say that last sentence, but... But the way our American opponents are recklessly, provocatively, and in many respects absolutely carelessly moving up the escalation ladder, this is Rybakov. 
the way they're blinded by their absolutely absurd certainty about their ability to inflict a strategic defeat on us, Russia makes one doubt their mental faculties and their common sense. (laughs) The U.S. is playing with fire and was risking making fatal mistakes, he said. And he said the Russian Federation will be ready to take all measures and to use all means at our disposal if there were attempts to encroach on their sovereignty. So Russia, while all this speak is going on from the minister's mouth, in the background, Russia's increased its bluster over their rights as a sovereign nation as NATO has become more directly involved in supporting Ukraine but has skirted around its own role in invading another sovereign country, referring to the war euphemistically as a necessary special military operation. He continued, The United States, for their part, have reflected on the effectiveness of the Russian military after the evasion appeared to fail in its original dash to capture territory and quickly got bogged down. Speaking this week, one Pentagon spokesman said of that, I think we've certainly seen failures that the Russian military has not been able to execute on the battlefield and failures in their command and control. You think maybe this was a message to maybe Xi Jinping in China or some of the other despots in countries around the world? Or maybe this foreign minister was placating Vladimir Putin by talking tough. A lot of things on our plate right now, folks, and it's not time to go to sleep internally. Think about it. Normally, we don't deal with this kind of stuff internally, but we are. And then our enemies from other countries are looking in and seeing how split our leadership is is from the reality of life in the United States and the American people, it's a great time for them to step up to the table and take us on at least diplomatically by spewing venom like this around the globe. You don't think other country leaders are hearing what's going on coming out of Vladimir Putin's offices? They know what he's got in the way of military might and power, they know that just the same way we do, especially our European allies. Believe me, they've got locked eyes on little Vlad and have for many, many years. Well, told you, top of the show, two things. I want you to listen closely. Tomorrow, Good Friday, there will be no TNN Live. No TNN live tomorrow. In fact, I, in preparation for this, I thought about doing a replay of a previous show, and I felt like, you know what? Our people, our fans, our supporters, you need a good, you need a good Friday off. For those of you that won't be working, uh, you can go back and pull up every one of the shows that we have done in the last four years. You can do that. All you have to do is go to one of those podcast sites and scroll down. The latest episode is always at the top, right under the TNN Live logo, you know, my ugly mug there. And it's got each date. 
and a little synopsis of the contents of each day's show. If you want to listen, do that. If you've missed any shows, it's a great time to go back and catch up on them. Especially, folks, think about how many moving parts we have in our lives now that we didn't have several years ago. Maybe they were there, but we hadn't been able to identify them as moving parts because nobody turned the light on until Donald Trump moved into the White House. And we began to find out, uh-oh, this was going on? They'd been doing what? What are they thinking? And most of that, if not more, is back in, in power now in the Biden administration. Basically, all that happened was they skipped a four-year hiccup and they got Joe Biden back in power. Wow. What about Donald Trump and his indictment by Alvin Bragg day before yesterday? Got some expert synopsis on what that's all about. Next. People think unusual circumstances means complicated taxes. But for a TurboTax Live expert like me, it just makes things interesting. So, give us everything you've got. What if I'm a professional gamer with a ton of expenses? If they help drive views, let's talk deductions. What if I'm in a state with no income tax, but my survival videos are viewed in 38 countries? I can help. And if this is a business dinner, save those jerky receipts. An interesting life can mean an even greater refund. You do your thing. We've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. Introducing the all-new Infiniti QX60. Take on life in style. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. That's not a typical sounding bump that we use here at TNN Live, but I think everybody recognizes that. Oh, yeah. Where would that come from the early 2000s? I can't even remember when that song came out. Long time ago. And everybody was doing it. I'm uh, trying to think of that movie that came out. Dad Gummit. I can't remember it. But Kevin James, you remember him? He fell in love with this millionaire, multimillionaire heiress. And he could not move, he could not dance, and he was trying to impress her. And he was working with uh, Will Smith. Will Smith was a matchmaker in New York. And uh, he was teaching Kevin James, or, hey, let me see your dance moves. 
And it was this song, and Kevin James just made himself look like a fool. Kind of like what I would do if I tried to do that. Anyway, let's get back to the latest stuff on the Trump indictments and the fallout. What do you think the Democrat Party leadership is saying to their fellow party members about how to move forward with this? Should we as a party, should we weaponize our people and get out there screaming and hollering about it? Well, guess what? House Democrat leadership staff have been telling offices that they do not have to weigh in on Trump's indictment. As one member said, there is a high risk of him becoming a victim. Now, there's no doubt there are a bunch of Democrats who are overjoyed at Trump being arraigned on Tuesday. But a Democratic leadership aide said this, quote, House Democrat leadership staff has been counseling offices, and there's no expectation for them to weigh in publicly. The aide said that the leadership, explaining what was going on and what they were trying to do, want offices not to take any risk if they feel inclined to say something, but to focus on basic messaging, such as, nobody is above the law, unless, of course, you're Joe Biden. In fact, Axios noted in a story that guidance on messaging over the two-week recess period advised members to focus on President Biden's policy agenda and attacking Republican plans on the abortion and the budget. Some Democrats are kind of worried that making statements about Trump, especially Statements that are overzealous could fuel the Republicans pushing the narrative that the indictment is politically motivated. You think they're going to push that? Why would they want to push that? Because that's exactly what it is. I think we all have to be very careful. One spokesman said there's a high risk of Donald Trump becoming a victim. We don't need to put kerosene on a fire. One report came out that said that Representative Greg Landsman, who's a Democrat from Ohio, made a statement on Friday last week on Trump's indictment and said this, folks need to be done with Trump. We have to keep our attention on the actual work of leading this country. Debbie Dingell, you know that name? Democrat from Michigan. She said that many of her colleagues are aligned with Landsman and that her party needs to be focused on Real issues. There isn't a role for Congress in this. That's David Cicilline, Democrat from Rhode Island, one of the most caustic members of the House of Representatives. He's a former Trump impeachment manager. And he's retiring from Congress in June, by the way. He said, you'll see Democrats stay very focused on the things that matter in people's lives. I think most people are beyond Donald Trump and are not following these legal proceedings. Dead wrong, Congressman. Check the ratings. And then on the other side of it, Representative Jamal Bowman, a Democrat from New York, he showed up in front of the Manhattan uh, Manhattan Courthouse yesterday to have a counter-protest to those who support Trump, noting his constituents fueled his response. He said in an interview with Spectrum News in New York, quote, from what I've been hearing throughout my district, New Yorkers are happy about this indictment. And then there's Jen Psaki. Remember I told you that report that I saw from over the weekend, show she did over the weekend. 
And she weighed in on this impending arraignment and indictment coming down on Trump. And she warned Democrats. She said, Democrats need to not go down this road because it's a good probability if they do, they're going to make Donald Trump look like a victim. And of course, then she piled on and said, of course, he's not a victim. He's the one that orchestrated all this stuff. That's another line of sycophancy that the left have had ever since Donald Trump came down the escalator. So what do some of these experts say about what happened? Well, as you can imagine, a bunch of experts. I, let me tell you this. I, uh, I needed a laugh yesterday afternoon. And so I wanted to see what some of the, um, the airheads were saying on some of the other news media, daytime shows, news shows, MSNBC, CNN, of course. And so I, I, I spent about 10 minutes looking at some of what was going on. They were going crazy. There's no content. There's none. Well, he was indicted 34 criminal acts, felony acts that he committed. No, it was one. And if you listen to what Bragg ex- uh, described it to be the other day, what they did was they picked out one thing they're using as their nugget twice a month. I believe it's twice a month. Trump sent a check or his office sent a check to Michael Cohen in payment for legal fees. And 34 of those checks were sent. So that, 34 acts of trying to subvert the law and cover up stuff so that it won't allowed be allowed to be part of a campaign. Like they didn't do that. What about the Hunter Biden laptop? The FBI's had it since 2019. They knew it was out there. They wouldn't dare bring it up. In fact, the New York Post story, Miranda Devine wrote it. It broke two weeks before the election. And nobody picked it up. Nobody addressed it. The FBI wouldn't even respond on it. They did not want that to come out during the election cycle. So if any of those paychecks that went to Michael Cohen happened to be to prevent news about Stormy Stormy Daniels, her allegations against Trump, which she later in writing debunked. What's the difference? Paying somebody hush money is not a crime. Morally, it could be, no doubt about it. But illegal? Think about all of the non-disclosure agreements that are signed now before people get married. Alan Dershowitz, he's known internationally as one of the Constitution's biggest advocates. He weighed in yesterday and said there's no part of this case against Trump that is not weak. His cred goes back to teaching law at Harvard Law School for 50 years. So prosecutors allege Trump directed one of his lawyers, Michael Cohen, during the 2016 election to pay adult film actress Stormy Daniels 130 grand 
to prevent her from going public about an alleged affair between her and Trump in 06. Filings in court on this allege Trump then reimbursed Cohen through monthly checks and documented that payment as legal expenses. A felony falsifying records charge, which is what Alvin Bragg has brought, requires a prosecutor, Alvin Bragg, to prove that it was done with the intent to hide the commission of a second crime. What would the second crime be? Not not even entered in the indictment as far as we know. Court documents already filed the indictment don't specify a second crime. But Bragg, at his press conference the other day, he talked about three possibilities. One, a violation of state election law that bars any conspiracy to promote a candidate by unlawful means, a violation of a federal cap on campaign contributions, and a violation of state tax law. To legal experts, this whole case is on shaky ground on several fronts. First, arguing that state law was broken to hide a federal campaign finance law violation is unusual, and some say this contention doesn't hold any legal water. Then, might be difficult to show that this hush money payment constituted a campaign expenditure rather than an expense in a personal matter, which is a key element in proving an election law violation. Bragg purposely, obviously, wasn't very clear on what the second crime actually is. And that, him ignoring that and not bringing that up is problematic, experts say. There's also a question whether the case is time-barred given that the felony charges carry a statute of limitations of five years, which is long gone by. But Bragg is expected to use a provision that says the statute of limitations clock is stopped when the defendant was continuously outside of New York. And everybody knows Donald Trump moved from New York to Florida. What's the other crime? This issue, according to another expert, trial attorney John O'Connor, is the weakest part of the case. He said, first, no crime was identified in the indictment. Secondly, the prosecutor named several possible crimes that could be hidden by the false entry, but that's an improperly charged crime. You can't have alternative crimes. In other words, well, there are several that he could have been covering up. Well, that's known as duplicitous indictment. O'Connor said, you can't say the defendant committed a crime because of either A, B, or C, take your pick, because some jurors might find the defendant guilty on A, some on B, some on C, but none of them unanimously. This is the kind of stuff that drives me crazy. I don't know any of this. I don't understand any of it. But when they bring people in that aren't politically motivated. They're just experts in this particular field, criminal law. And they give us facts. You kind of slap yourself on the head and say, what the heck are these people thinking? Well, they're not thinking. The very fact this vagueness in these documents may also be a breach of Trump's constitutional rights to due process Mike Davis, who's founder of Article 3 Project, 
a conservative judicial advocacy group, said this. Bragg brought the first indictment of a former president, didn't even allege the legal basis for this invasion of his, said Davis. He, by the way, Davis clerked under U.S. Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. It should be dispositive, meaning under the 14th Amendment to our U.S. Constitution, Americans have the right to due process. And due process includes fair notice of the allegations against you so you can defend yourself in court. Bragg got up in front of the TV cameras, bragged that he didn't need to include the legal basis in his indictment. At the press conference on Tuesday, Bragg said that the indictment doesn't specify the other crime because the law does not so require. But to Davis, the expert, this is a clear violation of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution, regardless of what Democrat judges and prosecutors in New York think. And the other question is hush money a campaign contribution. Settled law. Settled law. John Kerry's running mate, when John Kerry ran against Bush 43, what was his name? He was a senator from North Carolina, vice president. He had gotten in an affair, and in the affair, the woman had a baby, and he hid it did not want that fact getting out there and paid hush money. Went all the way to the federal courts and it was adjudicated. That was not a violation of any law. Forget about the law, though. It looks bad. That's the only thing that's important when we talk about people, especially Donald Trump, the orange man. Anything and everything he did, it had to be based on illegal actions because we all know he's a goon. He always has been. He's a lawbreaker. He's a liar. If you listen to The View, if you listen to Nancy Pelosi. But you know what? People's opinions in a court setting, I don't care, local, state, federal, and even in New York City regarding a former president, facts matter, not opinions. It'd be nice if they'd just give us the facts and let us draw our own. Just because you think something's right doesn't mean it's right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. But always get the truth about right and wrong here at TNN, the Truth News Network. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho. Yes, the Culligan High Efficiency Water Softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels in a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. 
But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep, there's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. No identity politics, no political elitism. Read and hear the truth, always sourced from facts. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Now, I told you we were going to hear from several constitutional attorneys about all of this uh, Alvin Bragg indictment and the facts of the indictment. Former Trump's Sixth Amendment rights may have been violated when Alvin Bragg refused to disclose that underlying crime the defendant intended to hide through his alleged falsification of business records. The Sixth Amendment provides in part for the right of a criminal defendant to be informed of the nature and the cause of whatever the accusation against him or her is, to be confronted with the witness against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor. So when questioned by one reporter as to what the underlying crime in the indictment fails to name is, Bragg replied in New York State, he does not have to. The indictment doesn't specify it because the law does not require it. Fox legal analyst Greg Jarrett forcefully dismissed Bragg's claim, saying he likely violated Trump's right to know what he is specifically being accused of. He does have to name it. According to the Sixth Amendment, Jarrett said, the indictment is facially defective. I don't know if you know Greg Jarrett. I like the way he is flowery when he speaks. The indictment is therefore facially defective. It's deficient on its face and it would be susceptible to a motion to dismiss. Jarrett, he asked whether Bragg slept through constitutional law in his studies at Harvard, envisioning the prosecutor working late one evening in New York City, mumbling, I've got to get Trump, what crime, what crime? And then an office worker simply remarked, don't say anything. (laughs) Jarrett, and I like this, he recalled a warning from former Supreme Court Justice Robert Jackson, a Nuremberg trial prosecutor, He said the greatest danger to justice I got a frog in my throat. Greatest danger to justice is an unscrupulous prosecutor who targets a person then scours the law books to fight an offense that he can pin on that person. That's what Bragg has done here. Charlie Hurt, Washington Times editor, later said incredulously that Bragg's charges amount to potentially more prison time, 136 years, than infamous Ponzi schemer Bernie Madoff, who died at a Butner, North Carolina prison. This is such a circus. It's so absurd. It's so ridiculous. Alvin Bragg has so embarrassed himself, embarrassed the legal profession that it is really going to seat and set the tone 
for anything else. Any of these wacko, crazed, lunatic, left-wing, politicized Democrat DAs want to try to destroy Donald Trump. Another prosecutor who's investigating Trump down in Atlanta, Georgia, Fulton County, Fannie Willis. The case in the largest of a handful of counties the city of Atlanta comprises centers on allegations that Trump violated the law when he asked Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to find a number of votes equal to what he needed to win the Peach State. Trump is also under special counsel investigation after Merrick Garland, our famous, reputable, current attorney general, named now former Kosovo war crimes prosecutor John Jack Smith to look into the discovery of classified documents at the former president's Palm Beach home. Another civil suit. (laughs) This one's in Manhattan from advice columnist Gene Carroll who alleged that the then-mogul Donald Trump sexually assaulted her at a Bergdorf Goodman sometime in either 1995 or 1996. I think that that one is a quarter of a million dollars, maybe several million. I don't know. No details, no witnesses, nothing. But, you know, this is the United States of America where anybody can sue anybody else on any given day. Now we're going to finish our um, our Donald Trump diatribe this morning, and I'm going to turn to one of the greatest thinkers, most honest, most gifted, and most well-liked person that's ever served in any administration. Who am I talking about? Former National Security Advisor John Bolton. John Bolton, a longtime critic of Donald Trump, And Bolton yesterday predicted the thin case of falsifying business records would be dismissed. Bolton shocked everybody. He he said this on CNN. And he, he gave that comment to CNN host Anderson Cooper and some other folks on a panel there. Bolton said, I think this is even weaker than I feared. It would be, and I think it's easily subject to be, being dismissed or even a quick acquittal for Trump. John Bolton said that. That just shocked me. Now, by the way, as more and more people in the media especially and legal experts have begun to tear apart the details in that indictment that came down, apparently part of what Alvin Bragg is accusing Donald Trump in uh, covering up, includes charges over an alleged what's called catch-and-kill steam, a scheme that involved a former Trump Tower doorman who claimed to have information about Trump's love child. This just gets wilder by the day. Bragg's office claimed in a statement of facts filed with the court that from August of 2015 to December of 2017, Trump and Michael Cohen, who was then his lawyer, orchestrated a so-called catch-and-kill scheme 
with David Pecker. David Pecker. I'm not exaggerating. That's his real name. How would you like to go through life with the last name Pecker? Pecker was the CEO of magazine publisher American Media Incorporated. They are accused of concealing negative stories about Trump. Now, this is an old, unproven story that is being trotted out once again by Alvin Bragg. In the filing, it lists previous allegations that American media paid former Trump Tower doorman Dino Sajidine 30 grand after he claimed to know of an affair between Trump and an unnamed woman, which led to the birth of an illegitimate child out of wedlock. So here's the uh, the verbiage in this allegation. In or about October or November of 2015, the AMI CEO learned that a former Trump Tower doorman was trying to sell information regarding a child that the defendant had allegedly fathered out of wedlock. At the AMI CEO's direction, AMI negotiated and signed an agreement to pay the doorman $30,000 to acquire exclusive rights to the story. This is in that charging document. It should be noted that among the rich and famous, stories are paid to go away all the time, whether they are true or not, to head off bad publicity. Even if there's proof of the payment, and that's a big if, it is not illegal and does not prove that the allegation is even true. And, of course, we're talking about the orange man. We're talking about Donald Trump. If anybody says anything bad about Donald Trump, negative, makes an allegation of any kind, the default position for everyone on the left, every Democrat and everybody like-minded with those Democrats, oh, if it's negative, if it's bad about Donald Trump, it's true. We just start there. Bragg's office is asserting that AMI falsely characterized this payment in the company's books and bought the story from Sajidine, this doorman, without fully investigating his claims because of the agreement that David Pecker made with Trump and Cohen. When AMI later came to the conclusion the story was not true, Pecker wanted to release the doorman from the agreement, but Michael Cohen instructed the AMI CEO, not to release the doorman until after the presidential election. And David Pecker, the CEO of AMI, complied with that instruction because of his agreement with the defendant and lawyer A. And this is coming from the Statement of Facts. The New York Post effectively debunked this entire story five years ago when it reported the unnamed woman at the center of the political frenzy emphatically denied she even had an affair with Trump. Her words to the Associated Press, this is all fake. So after the 26th election, Sajidine the doorman was reportedly released from his non-disclosure agreement with David Pecker. Prosecutors claim that Trump was so appreciative of Pecker's help in the matter, he invited Pecker to his inauguration and to dinner at the White House, which again is not a crime. Quote, the defendant thanked the AMI CEO for handling the stories of the doorman and woman one 
who happened to be a, a former Playboy model, Karen McDougal, and invited Pecker to the inauguration. In the summer of 2017, the defendant invited Pecker to the White House for a dinner to thank him for help during the campaign. You just can't make this stuff up. They'll do and say anything and everything that is necessary in their minds and thoughts. Doesn't matter if it's truthful. Doesn't matter if it's painful to anybody, hurtful to anybody, as long as they think it's a bullet that they can successfully put in their gun that has got Donald Trump's name engraved on it, that gun. Oh, we can do any of this and say any of this. It doesn't matter if it's factual. Joe Biden can lie with impunity on national television about classified documents. They can do all this stuff. It's okay because they're Democrats and Donald Trump is evil. Whoopi Goldberg said that yesterday. So it's fact. Got to be fact. So here's Alvin Bragg, New York City's main number one law enforcement agent. And he's been on this path, based upon all the money and contributions, chiefly among those contributors is George Soros. We'll tell you a little bit later in the show this morning some news about George Soros and Alvin Bragg. While Bragg's been making sure he keeps his campaign contributor happy, over 72% of New York City violent crime suspects on his watch, Bragg's watch, 72% plus of New York City's violent crime suspects were released with no bail and they went on to commit more crimes. You can't make this stuff up. Felony suspects released without bail, thanks to Alvin Bragg and New York's bail reform law, are more likely to be rearrested for more felonies, including violent crimes, than suspects who were given bail before the law went into effect. This is coming from a study by researchers at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, and they reviewed cases prior to that brand new New York law took effect, and cases after the law was implemented, where most suspects arrested for crimes are not required to pay any bail to get out of jail. You get, just because you live in New York, you get a get out of jail free card. Carry it around in your wallet. The study overall found that 47%, almost half of New York suspects previously charged with felonies were rearrested for crimes, including more than 31% of those who were rearrested for felonies, more than 70% rearrested for violent crimes and 4% rearrested for firearm charges. In all three categories, felonies, violent crimes, firearm charges, felony suspects had a higher rate of rearrest after they were released without bail than those who were arrested and required to post bail before the new law went into effect. Those New York City suspects that had criminal histories had a 62% rate of being rearrested after having been released with no bail, including 36% who were rearrested for felonies, 22% for violent crimes, 4% for firearm charges. 
I guess the biggest thing that popped out of this, the study reveals suspects with prior violent crime records in the Big Apple had a much higher rate of being rearrested after released with no bail than those who were locked up with bail before the law was implemented. Violent criminals. Of the more than 1,000 violent crime suspects reviewed in this study, 72% were rearrested. That's compared to fewer than 62% who were rearrested before the bail reform law. In other words, this whole process, the law that was passed, Alvin Bragg being the new prosecutor in New York, it puts criminals of every kind back on the street, lets them re commit crimes, in many cases more serious crimes on New York Manhattan people and visitors who go to the Big Apple. I'm one of those visitors. I love Manhattan. I love New York. I love the boroughs. I love Brooklyn. My wife's favorite restaurant in Manhattan is on a is on a boat. It's not a boat, it's on a barge just under the Brooklyn Bridge, right across the bridge from downtown Manhattan. The River Cafe. I'm not going back anytime soon until they get this lawless stuff figured out, if they ever get it figured out. And I'm not so sure that they will. Before we get away from Alvin Bragg, This George Soros story, the one that everybody's talking about, $1 million contribution to Alvin Bragg and his campaign. It happened. Stuart Varney, Stuart Varney, Fox News, he's on the business thing. He's on the business side, but Stuart is a transplant from the UK. Got the great accent. It's been the U.S. as a U.S. citizen, has been for a long time. Sometimes he has a different slant when he reports on a story, and it, I think we're all that way. You can't just totally ignore your opinion when you give a story, when you bring out things that are factual. In most cases, most people can't hide the way they really feel. Stewart does a really good job of doing that, but he's also very good at doing stories about facts. George Soros and Alvin Bragg. Uh, Trump went after Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg and his relationship with billionaire George Soros. This is important. Roll tape, please. With the radical left, George Soros-backed prosecutor Alvin Bragg of New York, <laughs> who campaigned on the fact that he would get President Trump. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. The criminal is the district attorney because he illegally leaked massive amounts of grand jury information for which he should be prosecuted or at a minimum he should resign. All right, let's bring in Matt Palumbo. He is the author of the book Man Behind the Curtain. That book is all about George Soros. Matt joins us this morning. What exactly did George Soros do for Alvin Bragg? So back in May of 2021, there was this super PAC called Color of Change, a very anti-law enforcement, pro-defund the police. So they say one day, we want to spend a million dollars to get this guy Bragg elected. Now, six days later, Soros cuts them a check for a million dollars. So the whole you know denial that's, that he is backed by Soros, or you read the fact checkers, it is contingent on assuming it is just one gigantic coincidence. Um, and in fact, if you read the Washington Post for 
rebuttal. That is the rebuttal. It is, we emailed Color of Change. They said it was just a coincidence. And, oh, we didn't spend all the money. Uh, that, that's pretty much it. And it is, quite frankly, laughable. You, you think, basically, Alvin Bragg is bought and paid for by George Soros. Yeah, yeah. And, and Bragg and Soros, what they say is, well, we don't talk to each other. We don't need or anything. And I would just say, like, even if you accept that, if Soros gives someone a million dollars, that says something about their philosophy. It, it, he, you know, Soros, to some extent, he outsources his insanity. So, yes, he might not be literally pulling the super strings saying, do this, do that. But Soros knows you're the kind of person who will do certain things, so I'll give you the money. The other side of the coin is the mainstream media mm -hmm. defending Soros. They say that his ties to Alvin Bragg are not accurate. I believe that's the correct expression there. What's your reaction to that? Well, they're trying to be cute with the data. They're like, he didn't give the money, the PAC did. I mean, it's, it's as if they are targeting an audience who just isn't familiar with the material and trying to fool people. Because it's the degree of separation makes no difference. It was for that explicit purpose. So, you know, if we're at the point where their rebuttal is arguing semantics over what the word backed means, it's a level of desperation that is kind of unseen. Is Soros also behind the liberal DA in Los Angeles, Gascon? Oh, yeah, that's another big one of him. I mean, really, it's incredible because anytime you see one of these crazy DA stories, you almost don't even need to mention Soros. I just go, oh, that looks like a Soros DA. And then if you do Google it, it's 100 percent of the time one of them. They're all cut from the same cloth. So Soros's money actually mm -hmm. uh, imposed at that local level mm -hmm. in local elections, essentially, had far more impact than giving it to the National Democrat Party. Well, yeah, I mean, in these in the national elections, it is hundreds of millions. And we actually just saw uh, in Wisconsin last night, they just flipped the Supreme Court, I think, yeah. three, two. Democrat. There was one reporting period where the Soros candidate spent eight million. The other candidates spent like under four hundred grand. So uh, I mean, these are these aren't exactly like high-profile elections. You so, can buy them a lot Soros had an impact on the Wisconsin mm -hmm. Supreme Court election that was held last night, and the liberal one. Yeah, yeah, the liberal one. Yeah, that was uh, it's a it's a big it's a ten-year term, so it's going to be flipped for a while. And the issue of abortion seems to be the, the rallying cry there. Yeah. Well, he's had impact on George, hasn't he? Has. All right. Uh, Mr. Palumbo, thank you very much for joining us. Matt, good stuff. Thank My you, pleasure. Sir. Thank you. There's a, there's a context. George Soros, it's not just uh, a talking point for the Republican Party. George Soros is a big funder of district attorneys around the nation who are anti-cop. George Soros, he says... Over and over again, it's public knowledge. You can Google it. Go do a search. He says he thinks the United States of America and our government needs to be destroyed, and law enforcement is the way to destroy it. Stop law enforcement. Stop holding people accountable for their criminal actions. And the nation at its spine will come apart. And he thinks the U.S. needs to start over again. He is a socialist at heart. He's from Hungary or, or Romania, one of those, one of those European countries where he grew up. Uh, spent a lot of time in Germany. There was a, um, a conspiracy theory that went around for years that he was a Nazi. He wasn't a Nazi. There's no way to find out or confirm that he might have been. I will say this. I don't know of any concrete proof that he is not or was not a Nazi, but he is anything but a capitalist, although he made every dime of his money in capitalism. And the principal big shot of money that he made came when he manipulated the currency markets in the UK 
and sold the British pound short in such volume that it crashed Britain's currency. And in doing so, Joros made, Joros I call him, George Soros, made billions of dollars in one currency manipulation move. That's the guy that's calling the shots in the DA, in the DA office in Manhattan. You know one thing that has been missing? I mean, nobody's talking about it. It's not even being mentioned because all of this Trump insanity dominates the news. Everything going on, it's been about Trump, Trump, Trump. And then you've got Russia, and then you've got Ukraine. Nobody's talking about illegal immigrants. Nobody's talking about Alejandro Mayorkas and his little foray into congressional hearings last week in D.C. where he got roasted again and again and again. And you know what? Whenever that happens, what have we told you to do? When they're not talking about anything that's important anymore, there are new developments. Hmm, what might those be? Find out right after this. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of craftsmen. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800-plus cities. As the sum of each generation before it, the next generation Corvette stands alone. As the new standard of precision and performance, of engineering and technology, of everything that makes an icon an icon, and a Corvette a Corvette. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth Network. Going into this break, told you about we've got some illegal immigration news. This batch is coming out of Colorado. You're going to just listen to this story. City of Denver just announced they're going to spend up to $20 million in their support of illegal immigrants. This is coming from Denver's CFO, Margaret Danuser. She said this during a budget meeting. So Denver's going to spend roughly $800 to $1,000 per migrant each week. And the expected $20 million in spending is for the time frame of December of 2022 and June of this year. The city has supported more than 6,000 migrants 
giving them shelter, hotel housing, three meals each day, transportation, and staff to assist them and their supplies. Can you believe the people of Denver are so thoughtful and caring and loving and kind and open to these illegals to come there that they would spend, the taxpayers would spend $20 million on illegals in just six months? How big are their hearts? Well, before you get too positive about Denver, where's the money coming from? The city is relying on FEMA, FEMA's Emergency Food and Shelter Program funding from the federal government to support the migrants, Danuzu, the CFO says. Federal authorities have seen a record surge in illegal immigration at the southern border. I thought they quit coming. Nobody's talking about it. More than 2.3 million migrant encounters in fiscal year 2022. More than 1 million between October of 2022 and February of this year. Denver started seeing a big surge of illegals arriving in December. I wonder why that happened. Democrat Colorado Governor Jared Polis began busing illegals out of state to New York City. <laughs> it's like... Oh, yeah, we'll take them in here, but we're not going to keep them here. We're going to let you bust them in here to Denver, and then we're going to ship them off. No one should play politics with the lives of migrants who came here to escape oppression. And in Colorado, we are honoring our values where we treat people with dignity and respect. We're simply carrying out our values of treating every human being with dignity and respect. Coloradans would expect nothing less from us to uphold our shared values to assist people fleeing oppression. That, of course, comes from the governor. And then the governor witnessed, but don't worry about it, Coloradans. We're sending the bill to FEMA, and they're going to write a check. We're just taking the political pluses that come out of being viewed as caring and giving a rip so much for these illegals that we're going to pay for them to get here and then stay here and do whatever they want to do on the taxpayers' dollars. This kind of thinking, and don't diminish this at all, because this is far from being the only place where this is happening. Around the nation, the FEMA is sending billions of dollars to states and cities to reimburse them for taking care of of illegal immigrants. FEMA doesn't have any money. They don't have any bank account with a bunch of money in it. No. That money is borrowed money. Our federal government borrows it, and they give as collateral for borrowing all that money. They give whoever they borrow it from in the way of people buying bonds, federal bonds, and these bonds are worthless and they weren't paid for. They were created by the Federal Reserve. They're just paper. But there's a debt obligation that goes with it. And American taxpayers are on the hook for 100% of that. I'm not joking. This is actually happening. And let me tell you how crazy it is. Guess what? Border crossers have been found living inside 
of the downtown Chicago police station. Not a joke. Border crossers and illegals recently bust to the sanctuary city of Chicago from Texas are now living, many of them, living inside a downtown police station. So since Texas, lashing out against border policies or lack thereof by Joe Biden, started sending bus and busing border crossers and illegals to Chicago last year, more than 5,100 new arrivals have landed in Chicago. Some of those migrants have ended up living in the city's police station. How does this happen? Well, just walk into the central first district station in the Southern Loop at night, and you'll see kids sleeping on blankets on the floor with no pillows, and often their shoes still on. Most of the adults sleep on the window ledges atop the building's heating and air conditioning vents. But a couple curl up on benches outside the two lobby restrooms each of which sports a paper sign that limits use to five minutes. During the day, random shoes litter the police station lobby from end to end. Some of the younger children are understandably restless and energetic. They run across the police station with an adult in hot pursuit. The families grab bottled water and food from a small table set up in the lobby, salads for lunch, and snacks. It is has been months. Currently, there are 28 migrants camping out with no showers, one men's room, and one female bathroom. This comes from an officer who frequents the district station. All this news comes is one of the city's poorest neighborhoods, known as Woodlawn, has been forced to absorb hundreds of these border crossers and illegals after officials moved them into abandoned schools in the area. Last month, locals suggested that close to 250 migrants are living in the former Wadsworth Elementary School. Woodlawn residents have blasted officials for failing to even take their opinions into account before moving the border crossers and illegals into the school. We're getting double talk, Stephanie Crockett McLean, who's a Woodlawn resident, said at a community meeting. The number of migrants at the school was 179, and then you brought in more, 60 more. So this number keeps going up with no residents' input. Officials are spending millions in taxpayer money to use the school as a migrant camp. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, she's responsible. Let's get her out of office. Uh, We already did. She's not the mayor anymore. They got a new mayor who is more radical than she was. We're going to see what the new mayor has to do about all of this. And please understand, very little of this that's being done for these illegals, I don't care where they come from, what nation, many of them of late, hundreds are coming from China, which is very problematic. You think through, and you can understand why. We don't know who these people are. We don't really know what they were doing in China and why they're coming here. What are they bringing with them? Don't know. We're not told. And of course, what we've got to do is just believe whatever the the folks that work for Alejandro Mayorkas and what he says and what they say, that's the, what we have to believe about it. Meanwhile, Joe Biden illegally, unconstitutionally, and 
easily impeachably continues to let the border be open and these people continue to come and come and come with no impunity. Nobody's nobody's doing anything about it. Hey, on another note, overnight, I don't know if you heard, but one Texas Republican lawmaker with some other groups landed in Taiwan during the night last night. You know, the Chinese, Xi Jinping and those, they are besides themselves, besides themselves about any American official, any whatsoever. Kevin McCarthy, they went postal on McCarthy because he met with some of these Taiwanese leaders in California. And they just started threatening. And I mean, they're doubling and tripling down on that. Well, they showed up in Taiwan and they were there this morning. Here's a story with details. Fox News alert now has lawmakers arriving in Taiwan overnight, meeting with the nation's vice president in a defiant stand in the face of threats from China. All this as the CCP sends a fleet through the Taiwan Strait. But we're not going to let this intimidation you know, get to us. We all receive sort of threatening texts. You know, uh, there was talk about a Chinese escort in the air, but that's just really intimidation, saber rattling. I think the meetings we're going to have here are going to be very important in terms of, uh, you know, the next leadership, uh, you know, meet with President Tsai, uh, talk about weapon systems that I sign off on going into Taiwan, to heart of Taiwan. Uh, and are they prepared? Or do we have enough deterrence uh, to stop, you know, aggression coming from communist China? Joining me now, survivors of communist China's cultural revolution, Xi Van Fleet and Mike Zhao, and also Hung Kao, a refugee from Vietnam. Thanks to all three of you for being here. Mike McCall, who you saw a picture there, went on to say the following, and let me read it, his exact quote. I do know that there are three aircraft carriers surrounding the island, meaning Taiwan right now, and we know that they have certain plans, whether they carry those off or not. Aisha Hosni, our own reporter on the scene, asking what are those plans. Mike McCall saying, I can't disclose that, but it would be very unfortunate if the Chinese Communist Party carried those plans out. Hung, we'll begin with you. What's your reaction to that kind of a threat? You know, I'm, I'm glad Mike McCall's over there, and it's just like us exercising the freedom of navigation uh, in the South China Sea. No one can tell us who we can be friends with, right? I mean, this is that's like an abusive relationship right there. Mike, how concerned are you for our lawmakers who have ventured into Taiwan for this historic meeting with the vice president, later meeting with the president in a couple of days, and then China responding like this? Uh, I think is uh, basically, you know, I expected that kind of response. But however, I want to tell your audience, you know, in China, there are certain uh, faction of Chinese uh, Communist Party. They still want to grow the economy, want to be friends with America. So hopefully this faction will finally win over. Hopefully this kind of tension will be de-escalated. Mm. And Hung, let me quickly come back to you on this first topic here. Are you encouraged overall by the meeting with Kevin McCarthy and the uh, Taiwanese president here in the U.S. and then this follow-up meeting? with this codal of congressional leaders and the Taiwanese vice president. Are you encouraged with what this could mean for that island nation? 
No, absolutely. I mean, it's just we have to show them that we're going to stand with them and have the 7th Fleet standing by to, to support them in case something happens. Meantime, we have seen the scenes of former President Trump's arrest here in New York City. You say all of this reminds you of the tyrannical governments you all once escaped. You have a warning about our government's weaponization of the law. She, what was your reaction when you saw people in the United States cheering the prosecution of a former president? Yes, I would say to those people, you are cheering for your own demise. Because yesterday, um, April 4th, 2023, will be remembered as one of the darkest days in America when the uh, Democrats made our country a republic, a banana republic of a communism. I grew up in People's Republic of China. And during the Cultural Revolution, Mao used his power to go after his political enemies. He did not use uh, AG. What he did is mobilize the young people called Red Guards, go after the entire um, communist uh, bureaucrats. I, as a little uh, schoolgirl, witnessed the struggle session of the governor of my province. And that's where I'm going to. When the uh, totalitarian wins, no one is safe. We will all become victim. After the Cultural Revolution, what happened is China was brought to the ruins and 20-some million lives lost. American people need to learn the history of the uh, communism and see that it is repeating right here in America. Mike, as someone who has seen the evils of communism firsthand, how dangerous a path are we headed down right now? Uh, it's very dangerous, I want to tell you. The critical race theory uh, you know, is actually the communist classical theory 2.0, right? The world culture is, is a dangerous repeat of Chinese Cultural Revolution. If we don't stop that, America would be downgraded to a nation, just like a, a cultural revolution, will have racial struggle between the different racial groups. We're going to destroy our economy. We're going to uh, also lose our technology leadership in, in the world, our national security, because uh, uh, like racial equity will prevail. You know, meritocracy will be destroyed. So, you know, America will, you know, just like what she mentioned, Will be have you know went to the no the the, the you know a destination no return you know that would be very dangerous. There are two other real big issues that stand out to me. The first one is China's gloating about this. South China Morning Post op-ed declaring, "quote Trump's indictment is a poor advertisement for U.S. democracy," adding that the Chinese are chuckling. They're going to use this as we try to promote democracy throughout the nation, throughout the world, especially in Taiwan. That is a concerning aspect of our strength on the world stage. But Hung, you've heard Donald Trump say over and over again, they're not coming after me. They're coming after all of you. Is he right? Should conservatives in everyday life worry that they could be next? No, absolutely. My grandfather was hauled away in the middle of the night. He was a magistrate and murdered uh, in front of my mom. 
And so it's just one of those things where if that this can happen in the United States, then it can happen anywhere. And this is why I fought in, uh, for this country for so many years. I wore a uniform for 30 years and fought in Iraq, Afghanistan, Somalia for for, for things like this. And, and here we are. Uh, we, we've f fallen prey to all of this. Yeah, you've heard a lot of people say, well, if you didn't do anything wrong, you shouldn't have anything to worry about. And I think that is a very misguided approach to viewing this. I agree with you, Hung, Shi, and Mike. I think the ramifications are much greater, and we all need to be on alert to protect our democracy. Shi, Hung, Mike, thank you for your time and your insight on all these topics. We appreciate it. I think it's critical for each of us to know what is in the process of happening. It is going to happen. China is going to take Taiwan militarily. Now, how can that happen? Well, it's not supposed to happen. The United States years ago worked with the Chinese government and Taiwan authorities to keep Taiwan independent, but they created and implemented the One China Accord. What is that? In our looking at the world we are never supposed to, and we agreed, our government did decades ago, we agreed that we were going to do what we're doing with the Taiwanese government, but we would never get involved in any political issues that would separate China from Taiwan. And there have been a lot of situations and times where the Chinese Communist Party has maybe not crossed the line, I mean really crossed the line, but they've been very blustery as they are today. It's just a few miles across the water from mainland China to Taiwan. And Taiwan is not a big place and doesn't have a lot of people and certainly doesn't have a lot of military might. Think about what has changed in our foreign policy since Donald Trump left office and Joe Biden took over. Nobody on the earth fears the United States. Nobody did. Remember when Donald Trump was elected, Democrats went crazy when he started setting up and going to meetings with foreign leaders, discussing our foreign policy. And we saw the video clips of in beginning meetings, the very beginning of those meetings, especially our NATO partners. They would laugh at Donald Trump together. They could You could see them behind him when he was talking. They were talking themselves and laughing and deriding him until they found out he was not an empty suit. He was about government of and by and for the American people. That was the beginning and the end of it. He was not a politician, and he wasn't going to play politics with any of them. One of the first biggest things he did in foreign policy is he went to NATO and said, Hey, the United States people, we're tired of paying for everything to guard and protect you European countries from Xi Jinping in China and Vladimir Putin in Russia. You're not paying what is contractually written for you to pay in defending your own nation. We're not going to put up the money to do that anymore. And they realized the U.S. president meant what he was saying, and guess what? They started putting up and paying their fair share. And then remember his famous meeting when he went to the Middle East and he went to Saudi Arabia? Oh, everybody laughed at him on the left. They made fun of him going over there. He was received 
by the king of Saudi Arabia and all of those Muslim leaders over there with dignity and respect. Why? They're not into the political part of life. They're into the substantive part of life. Go figure. Would you ever see anybody in the U.S. government make decisions based on substance? (laughs) Donald Trump did. And there are many Republicans, conservatives out there now that do the same thing. Their hands are tied in many cases, obviously, because you've got a Democrat-controlled Senate and, of course, Biden in the White House. So those two together can at least be the proverbial fly in the ointment of trying to go back to liberty and justice for all and the rule of law thing that Biden overturned his first day in the White House. I mark, mark this day. Taiwan is about to be taken by China. Do you remember that audio bite we played? I can't remember if it was on Monday or Tuesday. Glenn Beck was talking with Tucker, and Glenn Beck said, we're going to be at war with China, and it's going to be started by China's invasion of Taiwan. A lot of people think a lot of things about Glenn Beck. I have a lot of respect for him. He uh, he got crossways with the folks at, Cross, uh, at Fox News when he left years ago and started the Blaze Network. And I understand that. He's always been one of those. He's a thinker. He's out on the front of the wave. I'm sure he's been wrong with some of his stuff, but you know what? It's way worse than we're being told it is by most of the media. It really is. This world is on the brink of war all across the world. And it wasn't that way three years ago. Why do you think that is? I don't need to say anything. You know exactly why it is. We're going to take one more break. When we come back, Jamie Dimon, do you know the name? J.P. Morgan Chase CEO, Jamie Biden, uh, Dimon. He's come out with some uh, private property suggestions. In fact, very, very heavy suggestions. Hmm, what would possibly be about. You don't want to miss it. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make. Starbucks Via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black flavored lattes and iced coffee. Hi, Tom Bodet, quote, checking in on my smartphone. Everyone's Enter checking in nowadays to where at airports, pe- restaurants, appointments with certain medical specialists. Seriously, people, TMI. 
Anyway, thanks to the Motel 6 mobile app, you can book a clean, comfortable room at Motel 6 on your smartphone and get a great rate. Then, when you get to Motel 6, you can check in. After you check in, your friends will be totes jealous. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. I just went in the break and dug out that uh, soundbite from Glenn Beck from the other night. I want to tell you this, J.P. Morgan Chase CEO, Jamie Dimon, what he is suggesting. He talks about our government may need to seize private property to advance clean energy initiatives. He discussed the need to quickly begin investing in solar projects or the green initiatives suggested that the government should use eminent domain to seize property for those projects. At the same time, he said, permitting reforms are desperately needed to allow investment to be done in any kind of timely way. We may need even to evoke eminent domain. We simply are not getting the adequate investments fast enough for grid, solar, wind, and pipeline initiatives. The government seizing land to do those uh, green new energy deals to make them happen. That's Jamie Dimon, one of the biggest financial institutions in the nation's CEO. Now, there's a problem with that. Constitutionally, uh, which, which amendment is it? I think it's the Sixth Amendment. Anyway, it guarantees property rights for Americans. The government can't seize them. Private property is a right in the Constitution. Now, there is a statement, and it is where that eminent domain moniker came from, which says they can, governments can seize for the public good private property, but they have to compensate the private owners. And, of course, there's a lot of back and forth about what that means, compensation. Jamie Dimon, what's shocking is we have a big-time financial head of J.P. Morgan Chase that is recommending the Biden administration do those very things. Now, just before the Trump indictment, Glenn Beck was on with Tucker Carlson, and he weighed in on those things that I told you about a few minutes ago and some other things that are going to happen in the United States and in the context of what happened to Donald Trump. Here's Glenn Beck and Tucker. So when the history of cable news is written, assuming anyone bothers to write it, but if it ever is written, Glenn Beck will have his own chapter as possibly the greatest synthesizer of big ideas ever to appear on camera. And a lot of people made fun of Glenn Beck over the years for that, but if you go back and watch the tape, you will find out that maybe more than any other person on television, Glenn Beck got it right again and again and again. So we thought tonight is the perfect opportunity to hear from him. He's the co-founder of Blaze Media. He's just written a book called The Great Reset, and he joins us now for an overview of what we're watching. Glenn Beck, thank you so much for coming on tonight. How, how, how thank you. would you very interpret kind of you this? To say. Well, it's true. 
So let me, I, I've got a couple of things here for you. Um, let me just go through. I'm going to bring, a, I think, a different perspective to this. We have the banking crisis. They say it's fine. It's just beginning. We, um, yesterday, we had the Saudis and uh, Brazil and um, uh, China enter a deal to where the petrodollar is over. Brazil and China are going to cha- uh, trade in their own currency. That's the beginning of the end of our currency. That means a dollar collapse. That yes. means we become Venezuela. We will have war with China. We will have war with Russia and Iran. Uh, we have the restrict bill. We have social media and our NSA and everybody else in bed with each other, silencing people. We, of course, have the raccoon dogs, which we all know is bullcrap. Um, and now this week we have a new uh, gun grab that they're trying to do. Um, Biden and his family taking money from the Chinese. What do you think this Donald Trump thing is really all about? The American, the America that we knew, the fundamental transformation that started in 2008 is finished. We are no longer viewed as a superpower. We are now a an elderly, what we're Joe Biden, just walking into the twilight. What this is all about, I believe, is trying to inflame this country. Is in they've wanted violence from the right from the beginning. They can't yeah. wait it. They need it because if we strike out. Look at January 6th, the day they're letting the shaman out of prison because it was all trumped up. Thank you, Tucker Carlson, for uh, revealing this. The day they're letting him out, they do this to Donald Trump. They want you to strike out. Why? Because then they can close the cage. I'm going to make another prediction for you, uh, Tucker. You said I got it right. Well, everything I've been talking about since 08, this is the time. I'm going to make a prediction. By 2025, we are going to be at war. We are going to have a new dollar, a currency that it probably is coming from the central bank. We'll have a currency collapse uh, and we will live in a virtual police state. I know that might sound crazy to a lot of people. It's not far off. The, the Bill of Rights is gone Nobody is paying attention. Where are the Republicans? Where are the decent Democrats that can see this is this is insanity? Donald Trump, the reason why this is going to um, help Donald Trump, and that's why I don't think they're doing it so he can't run. They're doing it because they want people to strike out. Please turn to God, repent, pray for our country, Pray for peace. Put on the full armor of God. But here's what's really what they miss. Donald Trump is not even a person anymore. He is a symbol. He is a symbol of the average everyday guy that keeps getting screwed every single time. Watches other people screw up big banks, screw up their companies and get away with it. He's, they see people all the time doing stuff that they know if they did, they'd be in prison for 20 years. But because they're not part of the elite, they get away with it. Donald Trump has taken arrow after arrow, and that's why this is the way the average American feels tonight. Yeah. 
I hope that there's a few Republic or Democrats out there. But this guy has been taking the bullets for the average person now for years. And people on the right feel like he's the only guy that really gets what the people are feeling. And it's uh, it's not going to it's not going to end well. Uh, for the Democrats in the next election. It's just not. I don't know if Donald Trump is the winner or not, but I will tell you this. You're not going to stop a hundred million people. This country is in shambles. And there's going to be a hundred million people that will walk on broken glass and through fire to vote for someone other than this corrupt banana republic administration. That's, I think, exactly right. Glenn Beck, wow. I'm going to be processing that for a couple days. I really appreciate your coming on tonight. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Tucker. Thank you. Subscribe to the Fox News YouTube channel to catch our nightly opens, stories that are changing the world and changing your life. Tucker Carlson tonight. There certainly are pretty, pretty significant examples of all of those things that are changing our world. Listen, don't be fearful, but just arm yourself with facts. That's what we need to do. We're going to be fine. We'll be able to work through it if we demand true leadership in D.C. Among those who are already there leading us, we've got to demand the rule of law, the enforcement of law, and holding lawbreakers accountable from top to bottom. And if and when we do that, it won't just resonate within our borders. People overseas will see once again, the greatest country on the planet is going back to what made it the greatest country on the planet. The American people have the rights and the responsibilities, and they're stepping up to do what they're supposed to do to make their country continue to be number one in the earth. Once again, a reminder, Good Friday tomorrow. I want you to celebrate and have a great Easter weekend starting tomorrow. There will be no TNN Live show tomorrow. We don't do this very often, but we're going to take a little time off to spend time with family family that we don't get to be with very much. I know you'll understand, and I appreciate your doing so. We will have all of our stuff as normal, Saturday bullet points on Saturday, back in the saddle here in Northwest Louisiana, TNN Live on Monday. Have a great weekend. Consider what this holiday weekend is all about. I mean, seriously consider it. Have a great weekend. So long, everybody. Hello, it's me. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to meet to go over everything. Say the time's supposed to heal ya, but I ain't done much healing. Hello, can you hear me? I'm in California dreaming about the way it used to be when we were younger and free. I 
forgotten how it felt before the world fell at our feet. There's such a difference between us and the Never happened. It's no secret that both. 